Hello, everyone. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to provide a trigger warning. Today is a special episode with Roxana Bell, who is a licensed social worker, and the themes are mental health and mental disorders that we see in portions of the series. We, of course, always talk about the importance of mental health on this podcast, but today we focus a little more on elements such as PTSD, depression, and other disorders. Tara and I are, of course, in no way licensed professionals while Roxana is, but we give a little insight here and there about our own struggles as well. If these are themes or discussions that you may find difficult to listen to, please put your best interests first and don't listen to this episode. We'll see you next week if you choose to do so. With that, let's get into today's episode. Tara's also here I'm again. I'm also here again. It's basic sketches time. No one's going to introduce me? No. And Adam is here. fucking rude. Adam <laughs> needs no introduction is also. Yes. There we go. There it is. There we go. And today we're not talking about chapter. It's a special no. episode. We're going to talk about mental health things. Yes. Health. This is a theme that we've talked about a lot throughout this series so far. Of course... It's something that we've talked about doing a special episode forever, and we're finally here. You know, this is maybe the biggest theme that we've ever talked about, and there's no better person to have Roxana here, I think, for this. You probably know more about, like, the ins and outs to some of this stuff than we do. Some some of it, yeah. So I am a licensed social worker, but I don't work clinically. So most of my work is in what we call macro-level social work, which is, like, policy and systems change and, you know... Trying to reform the child welfare system, things like that. That being said, I did do a little bit of study and uh, crisis work here in Cuyahoga County um, with children and teen mental health. So this is kind of perfect since the main characters in this book are youth and young adults. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. absolutely, yeah. and we're looking at four characters who fit in that category, and yeah. another one that sort of acts like they're in that like, category sometimes. But also, Terry and I are also qualified because we have mental issues. Let's acknowledge our patrons. Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Layla, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Olivia, Nicole, and Raph. You can join this list, as always, at patreon.com slash basicsnitches. And we haven't had a new patron for a while, so come and join us for the low price of $3 a month. You will be acknowledged in every episode, as well as have exclusive content every single week just for our patrons. Our upper tiers also have a lot of other great exclusive content and opportunities to collaborate more with Tara and I. This week, we look at a very questionable screen rant and have a lot of heated thoughts about that. When we were planning this episode, there were a whole bunch of characters that came up. I had mentioned, and Tara had mentioned, Dumbledore. We decided not to focus on him. We talk about him enough, I think, when it comes up to some of his issues and stuff, and that might be its own special episode, honestly. Do you want to focus on all the adults? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, even, like, we had talked about, and I think Snape was someone that I had brought up, mm-hmm. we could do a special episode just on Snape. Uh, yeah, totally. And just on, just, like, yeah, one, on Dumbledore. Yeah, those episodes would be long as fuck. 
too. Yeah. Oh, totally. So some other ones that I had mentioned were Umbridge from like a narcissism point of view. Similarly, also Lockshart. There are so many other ways that we could look at them. But let's go ahead and jump in with the very first character, and I think the one that will take the most time, and that is Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Ooh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Harry Potter. That. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Roxanne, what would you say are some of his biggest mental health issues? And then we can maybe look at why he has those issues. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when I think about Harry Potter as a character and some of the things that he struggles with, obviously he went through massive trauma when he was a baby. And I think he's really interesting because the fields of mental health children's mental health is <laughs> has been very slow to recognize the impact of pre-verbal trauma so trauma that happens to infants or even in utero so a person who carries you like what they may go through while you're developing in utero so again Harry has a lot of early trauma and so I think he's a great case study in terms of like how that impacts him as he's growing up I would definitely say Harry has PTSD. What we think of as the standard, you know, flashbacks, intrusive thoughts, difficulty sleeping, you know, outbursts, unstable mood, all of those types of things with PTSD. And I think that's really important because oftentimes pre-verbal trauma does not get as much sort of cred as trauma that happens when you're in a more conscious, older state. But it really does impact, you know, functioning, but also somatically, so your your physical body. We see this less with Harry, but it, um, well, actually, no, no, we don't. Let me rephrase that. We do see this with Harry, if you think of his scar as being sort of a psychosomatic pain from his early trauma, which, you know, it obviously is his pain because of connection with Baltimore, but like thinking clinically, yeah, he does have psychosomatic pain from that early exposure to trauma and then just losing everybody he has. And then he has all of that. And then on top of that, he's then put into an environment where he's severely neglected and emotionally abused by people who are supposed to love him and they don't. So then he, you know, I, I think he's a really good example of someone who gets put into really bad circumstances and tries to be a, a good person. Like, mm. he could totally go the same way as, like, Voldemort, and he chooses not to. And we think about, like, we think about, like, healing trauma. So much of trauma is relational, so it's what happens between people, and that's how you heal, is with healing relationships. And so he, I see Harry as healing and having a lot of protective factors, which are what we call things that mitigate adverse experiences or you know adverse childhood experiences. If anybody knows that, it's an important study. And you know he has those with you know the Weasleys, with Ron and Hermione, and Sirius and Hagrid. Those people all provide him stability so that he doesn't go off the rails like. Voldemort. You actually mentioned in the last episode, <laughs> yeah. too, that your mom mm-hmm. looks at this series as, like, family yeah. and chosen family. Yeah. And, of course, that is very, very important here, too. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about trauma as a whole and, like, how everybody has trauma. Yeah. And uh, PTSD as well. Mm-hmm. 
PTSD is actually my diagnosis for why I have my marijuana card, too. Mm -hmm. Through things that have happened to me in the past, and just in general, I'm sure, especially after the past two years, there could be a case for a lot of people having PTSD, two, three, five, whatever years. I'm also going to talk about something that happened on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star 7. So this is a little bit of a spoiler alert if you have not watched that yet, because it is somewhat of a recent season. But it's an all-winter season. They had this challenge where they had to do, like, draguation speeches. You know, you're the valedictorian and stuff. And Jinx Monsoon, who, again, spoiler alert, ends up winning this challenge, one of my favorite drag queens ever, she talks about how she experiences trauma through actually being hit by a car at one point. Oh, yeah. But she talks about, like, when you're born... That being a trauma where you are pushed out of the ultimate safe space, this is almost word for word, yeah. out into a world where someone will, without blinking an eye, hit you with their fucking car. The act of birth being <laughs> trauma and then also going through all of this nonverbal trauma is interesting. Though. Yeah. You know, when I think of Harry and moments where I'm like, give this kid some therapy, it's times when he is... I'm going to use another word that you invented for this mm-hmm. podcast, and that is doom spiraling. Yes. He oftentimes looks at a situation, I think, very clearly of the scene in book five where Ron and Hermione are now prefects, and he just, his gears are turning. Right. It's something that I have done many times, and it's something that I'm sure all of us do. Sometimes he kind of backs himself into a corner and in this really dark space. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if depression is something that also comes up for him. Oh, yeah, I think so. And additionally, he's going through all that he's gone through while he's an adolescent. And adolescence is a time of huge, like, social development, but also brain development. And so the main thing we think about when we think about adolescent brain development is that forehead area our prefrontal cortex that comes online when you're 25 so from like age 10 to like 25 you're developing and you don't come online until you're 25 and so it means that things that I do have consequences when you're an adolescent your brain is literally not wired to think clearly that way and so I think Harry often will be very impulsive and you know so yes some of that could be his trauma but it's also his brain is not like developed and trauma not to get gloom and doom or doom spiral but like it does severely impact how your brain actually functions and but it also you your brain is plastic you know there's a lot of plasticity in your brain so you can rewire your brain you know after trauma so so sorry to get back to your depression yeah I think he does and understandably so, get into, like, where he gets very depressed. I, again, see that as, as really related to all the trauma that he's gone to, you know? He, you know, when he has these really scary things happen to him, it's like he just cannot get out of that sort of things keep occurring for him that are really life-threatening and scary. And so he has this over and over and over again. So, yeah, that would make you angry that might make you want to isolate yourself from people that may make you want to not eat anything i mean there's a lot of things that i think seem like of course he would have those types of symptoms so yeah i think he definitely has some level of depression co-occurring with ptsd i think mostly just about how much time we spend with harry and his thoughts Mm -hmm. in the series 
just or, say it. Or really even circumstances, but like, I think that there's a part of Harry that's kind of like a counterbalance to all of the negativity that he is continually aware of. He is naturally a good-hearted person, mm-hmm. and that, I think, we see how it takes this toll on him. It's a very subtle thing, but I think that in that is like a manifestation of a very deep like feeling of being a burden. Being told the first 10 years of his conscious life that he was a burden, like, Mm -hmm. that is another type of of trauma that really sticks with you. That kind of childhood trauma, Harry is 42 now, (laughs) Harry Potter is 42 or something like that if you think about the fact that he was born in 1980, that doesn't go away. Right. It's so ingrained, I think, in him that pinpointing what that is, I think, is very difficult. So the reason I brought that up is because I saw Cursed Child, and I don't really want to give away, like, any spoilers from Cursed Child, but Harry struggles immensely in that story. And part of it is his, like, fear of not being a good enough dad, but Mm -hmm. part of it is that he doesn't have that history of having a a dad in his life and, and everything he has been through, but... There's a lot of really vulnerable moments for Harry in that, that you see him as a 40-year-old man that I know for me, for watching it, for reading the script, I'm still thinking of him as that, you know, 13, 14-year-old boy, but why shouldn't he? I guess, like, why does he suddenly have to have his shit together because he's 40 now? Because that shit sits with you your entire life. There is a part of Harry, I feel like, that recognizes what a burden his existence could have potentially been to someone else and how he is not unaware of that. And you see it through these books now as we're getting into these later books. Everyone being like, Harry, you're so stupid. Of course you're not going to do this by yourself. But like, his intention is to not be this negative thing in people's lives, to not be a burden. And I think that that's such an interesting contrast to what Voldemort is. A child who is so aware that he is actually a burden in some way, shape, or form because of how he was treated when he was, you know, so young. You bring up so many good points that I think are great to bring up in an episode like this in that the trauma that you experience as a child does not go away. It sticks with you, and then, like you said, you can also rewire your brain, which I also want to kind of get into something with that, too. But there is a lot on social media, and especially folks in our generation, Gen Z and everything, being so open about mental health and addressing that, hey, when I was a kid, I had trauma because my parents did X, Y, Z. Right. And then some of those generation parents are boomers. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're we're old enough. My (laughs) mom is barely not a boomer. Oh, really? I was 58. She's like, she's like very, very see that is so interesting to hear how young my my parents are well not only that well because my mom is 63 and my dad is turning 65 in about my dad is the same age as your parents my mom is 72 yeah but my my mom is she's a real boomer yes (laughs) the interesting thing about that is you're like 58 she's not a boomer and i'm like whoa she's almost 60 and she's gen x that is interesting because it's like yeah mid 60s it was that is insane. And Matthews is like, Gen X. Yeah, a couple years younger than me. Oh, hell yeah, she is. Everyone knows I love Keanu Reeves. He's Gen X. 
Okay. Here she is if, going about her like celebrity crush. But if you don't love Keanu Reeves, oh, God. he's the most perfect man. Okay, quick fuck Mary. Well, no, I don't have a third yet. I just come up with the other one. But it's Mrs. Dursley, Keanu Reeves, and someone else. We'll touch in later with ooh, who that third person ooh, is. Oh, that would be hard for me. As we know, I, that's the show. <laughs> But there's a lot of like, especially I think like boomer parents of like, oh, so you're gonna blame me for all your problems? And it's like, well, to an extent, like yeah. when I'm a kid and I and I have no like yes, choices and everything. Yeah, there are things that you did that you think that you know you were a perfect parent and stuff and. I mean, there's so much more into that that we yeah. could get into, but I don't want to get off track. It's important to recognize that. Now, in terms of rewiring your brain, y'all know I love my mindfulness and I love meditation. Me too. One of the last Patreon exclusives I did was a guided meditation. Mm-hmm. And it was weird, man. Like, when usually <laughs> we're posting, like, funny shit, I was like, this is weird. For me to, like, record this... I use Insight Timer. I think my streak now is up to like 780 days in a row or something like that. That's great. Um, after listening to so many guide meditations doing it, I was like, whoa, I don't like how my voice sounds on this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm used to my voice here where I'm being like ridiculous and obnoxious. With that too, I'm going to bring in my favorite topic and that is divination. And how did, da- who's David? I was just about to say, David isn't great at divination. Harry is in great divination, but there are these moments of clarity that he has that make me feel like if he were to be more present and utilize some more mindfulness tools, you know, journaling is another thing that I do. Tarot is something that I do a lot. Those are all mindfulness tools for me. Maybe he would have been a lot better at divination. That's something I've always thought where he'll say something and then he kind of predicts it without meaning to or he'll have this really great insight i feel like i've always agreed with that idea harry has definitely a great capacity for empathy totally yeah i think sometimes that capacity for empathy comes from a place yes. of trauma so yes. yeah very much yeah. harry's not the only character in the series that you definitely can see that coming from but I feel like it's a huge, huge totally. part of who he is. So Well, it's the learning to read other people, and it's like watching for people's moods and being very sensitive to people's energy and when it changes and shifts. I would say it's <laughs> a wonderful thing, but it also can be a really burdensome thing to, to feel sort of... It's where children were in an environment that was so unpredictable and chaotic that you have to survive. You have to be like, what's mom doing now? What's dad? Like, you don't have a choice. Or you'll potentially die as a survival mechanism, being able to be that in touch with the feelings and the needs and the shifts of energy in other people is survival. Yeah. Well, and the thing I like about that, too, is I think a lot of magic, they're in, you know, this world or this fictional world, this world being the one that we're in is manipulating energy and working not manipulating is a bad word for it but working with energy and creating and things like that yeah that's a really good point between the two of you that i rather than it being that hey he's great at divination he just has that empathy and he's able to read people let's move on to someone else and that is his future wife Jenny, the badass bitch. She's so badass. 
Oh, this is someone that you had originally yeah. recommended. So for Jenny, we technically see her trauma raise here. That being said, actually talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but being the youngest child of a large family, being the only female mm-hmm. um, in a family of boys, and being a teenage girl in an uncertain world in general. She, to compare her to Hermione, which Hermione is a person who's very confident mm-hmm. from the get-go, and Ginny has to find her confidence, and I think that there's a lot of, like, forgotten additional hardships just being a teenage girl who has had no other female in her life other than her mother, like, until she's 11. So I'm assuming there are Weasley cousins, and they probably hang out and spend time, but what if they're all fucking boys, too? (laughs) I don't know. I was thinking about both sides of my family there's one boy. Until my brother was born, my brother is 14 years younger than me, until my brother was born on my mom's side of the family, my cousin Daniel was the only boy. And on my dad's side of the family, my cousin Brandon was the only boy. And there were times where I wondered, as I was like becoming a teenager, wondering like what that was like for Brandon to just to be like surrounded by girls all the time. Now, not that like anything should be gendered and separated or whatever, but just this overabundance of one type of person in your life and I was thinking about how Ginny is surrounded by Quidditch and boy things and no wonder it comes out that she's good at Quidditch you know she's I think an adapter Mm -hmm. yes she suffered this horrible trauma in book two we'll obviously talk about that but she was already kind of in that state where she's like I gotta find this I gotta find this place I feel like it's just more difficult for her than anyone else who we we spend about the same amount of time with we meet Luna, who is, mm-hmm. like, in her own space. Totally. But I feel like Luna's very sure of who she is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, like, Ginny really had to go from being this little child to being this badass who understands that if she wants something, she has to take it, she has to get it, because no one is giving her the credit she deserves right. for being as strong as she is. I was like, mm, I think that there's a lot more to Ginny than just being, like, she was possessed by Voldemort when she was 11, which, by the way, is plenty, but there's more to it, which is an interesting play into it, I think. Yeah, I think about Ginny, and you brought it up, you would really want to look at her family dynamics, so what are, is that dynamic at home for her, and, you know, I think there is a finding your place amongst the crowd. Like, it's a very crowded place, very loving household, but, like, She's just going to be drowned out by a lot of other people who are there. And Ron has this to a certain extent, Ron, too. Like, where it's, like, since they're the youngest we'll ones. Like, <laughs> we're the youngest ones. And we have people in our family who've done really well. You know, you might want to think about, like, birth order for all of them, too. You know, because sometimes it can be, you know, Ginny's the, the baby of the family. Sometimes it can be that the baby gets all the attention <laughs> and yeah. whatever the eldest, you know, sibling had suddenly the parents are like it's fine like you know that does not seem to be the dynamic with Ginny it's interesting because when you were talking about your family I was also thinking I sometimes relate to the Weasleys a little bit because me let's say I'm Percy because I'm gay and sometimes I'm an (laughs) asshole and then (laughs) but let's be honest am I more Charlie or Bill I mean we don't really know much about Charlie but I think you're Bill anyway I think I'm Bill too 
because I love French shit, and I also would love to have a sexy earring. I mean, I do, you do sort have of. A sexy earring. I know it's not like his though, which is like a crystal pendant oh. that is like weighing down his head. So let's say I'm Bill, and then maybe I'm a combo of the oldest three. Then I have twin brothers, oh. and then my sister is the youngest of four. But she luckily had Grace, uh, my cousin. Yeah. They're around the same age. And now that my generation is producing offspring, it's all girls. <laughs> Obviously, my two nieces, Kenna and Nora, are my brother's kids. And then Grace is also having a girl. So, like, now Aww. it's, like, the opposite. Lots of girls. Kind of. Which is great. The future is female. Produce these baby girls. For real. It made me think of that, but also I was like, well, let's talk, talk about Red next, but why not, like, kind of put them both together if there is any sort of difference there? Because in my family, to a degree, I really was the guinea pig. I've always been the one among the four of us to go to the beat of my own drum. In some ways, I did get more attention because like I was the, the first. Mid- oh, no, you're the I'm yeah, the oldest. oldest. I'm the oldest. oldest. Uh, yes, okay. oldest. High five. Boop. I'm an only child. Yeah. <laughs> So, so technically you're the oldest too. I'm the oldest. Um, but, but at the same time, it was very much, you know, now we have these two boys, so right. they got a lot of attention. And then the youngest and the girl, it's like, oh, finally we could get girl toys and stuff like yeah. that. Whereas for Ron, there may have been somewhat of that similar thing of him not being the youngest boy yeah. and being the hand-me-down and almost the yes. most forgotten. And then I don't necessarily know if we ever see anything like this where they kind of dote on Ginny more than Ron. Maybe there are moments I get of that. that feeling. Yeah, I don't get that feeling yeah. either. It always seems like Mrs. Weasley is more focused on the children who are about to be finished with Hogwarts. Yeah. Like, yes. she's she's all over the twins when they're, like, not doing as well with their owls or whatever. So here's my take on Ron. I think Ron expects to be forgotten. That is so he sad. It's like a middle child syndrome. He, well, I think that's true, though. Because yeah. Percy, Ron, and the twins. That's the center. So it's technically Percy and the twins share that because there's seven mm-hmm. yeah. and twins. So technically, I guess the twins. But, like, Percy wouldn't have middle childhood syndrome, but he's so different from the rest of the family. The twins have each other. So really, I think it like that type of thing kind of does fall on Ron. But he's also experienced it through his whole life. Like, because he and Jenny are a year apart. It's not like there was a lot of time for him to be the baby. You know, these kids are all pretty close in age. So none of them really got to be the baby until Jenny. Jenny was the one that got to be the baby. And I really do. The way that Ron behaves through the series, Ron expects to be left behind. He expects to be forgotten. And I'm sorry, that has to have come from his family dynamic. Yeah, totally. oh, absolutely. You know, like the way he absolutely. behaves with the fourth and seventh book and how he treats Harry and Harry's celebrity status. He struggles with it. What kind of internal struggle does Ron have being like, this is my best friend and someone who is my backup who also like represents everything that I know I'll never have. Mm -hmm. And I get that reminder all the time because I am number six of seven. So I mean, everything, the hand-me-down dress robes and just everything, like he is bombarded with nothing new. Like, he does well on his owls. He's like, doesn't matter. Friend George didn't do that great. So as long as I do better than them, I'm cool. Like, it's yeah. just, he has a very defeatist attitude. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that has come from his upbringing. Yeah. The thing that I came into this conversation with Ron thinking about 
is there tends to be almost like man-child in quote tendencies. Yeah. But I think it 100% comes from what you just said because you are so spot on. I think that he is always thinking that he's going to be left behind. Like that was Penny in the bucket. Or, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like a spot on. Penny in the bucket? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think about the youngest Weasley children and like how that I mean, I absolutely think Ron is compared to or perceives himself to be compared to his older siblings. And so who, you know, even though we just talked about, you know, Fred and George may not be academically minded in the traditional sense, they're very smart. And so I think Ron feels like he might not have anything to offer or to be in. So he's sort of happy to just exist. Not like he doesn't try that hard do any like because academically what good would it do because yeah, yeah exactly and i think the biggest thing that happens for him is being on the quidditch team you know because that feels like he gets some external validation that isn't from his family oh you individually did something and so i'm going to put you on this team he's a prefect too and he's a pre yes and that was dumble of course but. yes if he had wanted to i think he could have been primed to sort of distinguish himself but there's something in that yeah the defeatist attitude where i just don't think he is able to do it at Ginny, on the other hand i think is a fighter and i think she and maybe it's because she's the only girl like she does have an ability to distinguish herself and i think she does it in her own way i mean that's why if we go back to book two I think that is totally why she is sort of vulnerable to being sucked into the, you know, to the diary because she wants to prove herself or to get beyond some of her family's expectations. Expectations. You know, I always think it's interesting because <laughs> you think of like family dynamics and family therapy and things like that. Harry eventually, oh spoiler, marries Ginny and just how similar she is to Harry's mother and like all that type <laughs> yeah. of physically and all of that and I think you know there's going back to family they literally become family because yeah. they marry each other. Ron and Hermione and then Harry and Ginny. The thing with all of this that I keep thinking is like it's so nice that they all found each other and yeah. like because they need they this needed dynamic. they yeah. needed that, that those you are, know healing trauma through relationships they needed yeah. the stability all of them i think needed the stability and the love and care it's another thing that is it is touched on not necessarily well in first child the four of them and how they are family yeah, okay. i was curious your thoughts on now again we don't we don't live in jenny's head like we do harry's but like your thoughts on how jenny is possessed by voldemort when she's the first year and then we don't talk about it there's not necessarily anything on the page that shows it until book five when she's like well harry i'm putting you in your fucking place because i've been possessed by voldemort so what's up we all kind of forget about it because the fat potato no, I don't want to call her Fat Potato because that's me. <laughs> I was like, are you sure you want to go down that way? I like how you're just like, I'm coming up with a name. The rice pudding. No. I was thinking of something gross. I don't like Ashley rice pudding. likes rice pudding. We're Sorry, Ashley. Sure. Okay. No. Um, blood pudding. How about that? The, uh, <laughs> the, the, that's gross. Okay. The, the blood pudding. Yeah, you can edit all that. Blood pudding. So like how blood pudding is like, you know. I'm not touching it. It's we're not. We're not. They didn't bother to. Or they don't about. Yeah, they don't show any 
and I don't know, like, did I just miss anything that was maybe there? But I don't know that there is. So something I was going to say, too, that kind of adds mm-hmm. on to that before you let us know your thoughts, too. I feel like, and this might, I can see this being completely incorrect. Looking at how Jimmy grows, it almost feels like she has a determination to beat that trauma to an extent. Probably, yeah. I don't necessarily know if this is true, but, like, that was a life-or-death moment. Mm -hmm. I can see Ginny being the type of person to be like, well, YOLO, I almost died. I'm gonna fuck all the boys, and I'm gonna be a badass bitch, and I'm gonna do what Ginny wants to do. Yeah. And she kind of, like, grows a little bit from her trauma. Sort of in that Yeah, I like that. I just, it's a thing that has kind of crossed my mind this this time reading through the books is, like, wow, we just... Swept that under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and then later she marries the main character, and we didn't address anything in between. Yeah. Okay. Again, like what I was talking about, how the Weasleys provide Harry with stability. You know, I would say that despite having gone through that really traumatic experience, you know, life or death, she almost died. Her family does probably provided a lot of like, you know, buffering protection from potentially having more difficult reactions to it um, or more debilitating reactions to it so again we don't know because we don't get in that insight into her head and yeah i think you could infer that dating a lot of people or i don't know if we necessarily see her partying going off the rails but that is absolutely can be a reaction to trauma and to almost dying you know i think people have different ways that they show resilience and growth after something like that it's so funny because this is in the next chapter in that she gets invited to have lunch with Slughorn because she like punched somebody in the face or something didn't she <laughs> was it the bat bogey hex or maybe it? that's what it was apparently she's really good at that yeah I but read that chapter we've read that chapter yet it's yeah. v- very much her like sticking up for herself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of in that same vein as well she's not necessarily a partier or anything but she is a spitfire when there's these other people in this compartment, um, we'll talk about them more in the next episode, that maybe have a little bit more gravitas to them, and that's why he wants to collect them. Slughorn is like, that girl there, she knows how to take care of herself. I want her in my slug club. Everybody else has influence. Right. But she got into the slug club because of herself. That is something that is so telling to me. Oh, absolutely. I think there's some element of, like, you're not going to victimize me again, or I'm not going to be victimized. Yeah. So my way of defending myself against that is then to be, I will fucking take you down. You know what I mean? So maybe she does have some level of embodiment of that. I think, you know, there's so many different ways that people can react and, and respond. And I would, you know, in a certain way, think of that as a strength of hers. That, oh, yeah, that, absolutely. If that's her response, that's great. That I'd be like, good, that's a really strong thing to do is to take your power back. I think that's yes. a big, oh, big totally. part of healing from trauma is feeling like you are powerless and then saying, but I do have the power and I'm going to take it back. I got the power. She really yeah. is, which is probably why when people are like, oh, Harry and Jenny, I'm like, that's the kind of person he needs mm-hmm. to be with. Yeah. Totally. If that's not a strength of his, 
think he's very strong. He is, but like it's not a strength of his in the way it is hers. Yeah. And I think that that's probably how the two of them are still alive. Yeah. You know, like I can see Ginny like Doom's growing, for example, like, <laughs> or Doom, yeah. Doom, whatever, Doom spiraling. Doom that's what spiraling. It was. Yeah. So let's actually switch gears a little bit because a few minutes ago we were talking about the four of them. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the fourth, Hermione. Mm. Who, an interesting way, is a little bit different. Because, Tara, you had said that she comes in so confident. We don't necessarily know as much about her home life as the other three either. But because she's the only child, she grew up in perhaps a somewhat wealthy environment. Her parents are dentists. If they get paid in the UK like they get here, I'm sure that they, you know, they got coin. It doesn't seem like she had as much, um, like, childhood trauma as the others. But it's good to bring her up here, too. Perhaps because of how she is often portrayed as a know-it-all, maybe? Yeah. Tara, why do you think that it's important to include Hermione in here, too? I feel like there's probably something to be said about her know-it-all attitude. I very rarely can relate to Hermione in this series, but I appreciate what she is and how strong she is and like I recognize that kind of desire to be that kind of person. That being said I think that there's something to that like needing to be recognized mm. as being a smart person as doing the best you know I said that she comes in very confidently and I think she is very confident but also I don't think she's very confident in other areas of her life like she's a person who mm-hmm. is like this over here not only do I got this, I am this. Like, this is everything that I have. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we see how vulnerable she is in book four. Totally. And the trauma that we do witness her handling through the series, mm-hmm. what she has to do to her parents, yeah. what she and all the students at Hogwarts go through, yeah, but, like, she is tortured at Malfoy Manor. Yeah, people call her know-it-all, but also people are cruel to her later on in the series because of you know, this or that, her association. Ron was very cruel to her. Ron was very cruel to her. Snape and how he treats her. Mm -hmm. Her spirit is really very strong. Oh, yeah. Yes. She gets a lot of bullying, too, from others. I mean, they say the racist word. So I had to bring that up. Like, the key part of her identity is attacked. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I also just think of, like, the big teeth moment. You had said Snape. It's like a dent. Al dente. It's, it sounds Italian, but it, it dent is in it because teeth. Oh. We just talked about it in, I think, a Patreon exclusive, but it's dent something. Yeah. Dente lo Silencio. All humans, no matter who you are, you know, you seek external validation. And I feel like there's not a problem with that. Because we're relational. We're humans. We want to interact with each other. So seeking external validation through whatever ways that is, whether that's through being a really great academic or singing well, you know, doing whatever. Like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And so I think she definitely wants that validation and I think she was clearly encouraged by her parents yeah. to be to to have her intellect and to nurture that so that's good that's a big strength that's that you know her parents certainly didn't try to shut that down I guess the biggest thing would be her parents are muggles there's probably so much she can't share with them mm-hmm. it's like they might not even understand yeah. you know like anything that she goes through at school 
But I agree. I think she's a very resilient character. Again, but she has a lot of those, what we talk again, protective factors. Strong family, her friends, the Weasleys. I mean, she has things so that when she's hitting barriers and roadblocks like we all do, the damage that some of those things can do is mitigated, is buffered through everything that, you know. And that, I mean, it's so huge. It can change your trajectory if you have those things or if you don't. I mean, it's it's really big. Yeah. So. Validation is interesting because Mm -hmm. I do really love to find parallels between me and Hermione. I'm very similar to Hermione. Yes. (laughs) Among the four of them, I find to be more relatable to Ron and Hermione. And it's funny because as we talked about it, Ron almost doesn't seek validation because he's almost like, what's the point? Yeah. Whereas Hermione does seek it a little bit more. She does. And this is more of a personal thing, but through my therapy. Harry in his own way also seeks a bit of external validation. Wait, I'm sorry. I think Harry too. Oh, oh, definitely. Definitely. Again, we all do. All of us as humans do. No shame. Well, I will also say, through my own personal journey with therapy and stuff, I almost started to, last few years, not care so much about validation from other people. And some of that is also just accepting, like, this person is never, like, he can't validate himself. Right. But if he can't validate himself, he's never going to validate me. Yeah. And... At the end of the day, like, if I'm never going to get that. Like, mm-hmm. why is it so important? Right. I feel that with a lot of folks, you know, as you both know, there are other people that I've, like, shedded from my life. Not just in these communities, but just in general. Like, if it is someone who I can no longer vibe with, they say, like, let go of those who don't serve you. I don't necessarily like saying that because, like, you don't serve me. That seems, like, subservient, you know? You know, who no longer fits into my life the way that, in the path that I want to go. It's definitely been more lonely, for sure. Um, and there are some of those areas where I still do find some validation. Yeah. And it's more along what my actual strengths are. Through work, I find a lot of validation, yeah. for example. Me too. Which I think is very fortunate. There are a lot of people who, and I've definitely felt like this in the past too, where I got no validation from work and it didn't make me feel like I was doing anything. Right. So I know that's a little bit of a departure, but I think validation is very interesting when you look at the four of them, for sure. Mm -hmm. Because it's also something that everybody can relate to in their own way of trying to find validation through certain people or certain groups or whatever. Yeah, I was going to just say on on the topic of like external validation, two things, and I don't know if I made this point quite so clear, is that, again, it's a very human thing to seek validation you brought up I think there comes a time when you have to give it to yourself too again this is a normal behavior we all in our own ways seek validation from other people but as an adult you discern when am I coming up against someone or something that we're like it's at my expense if I continue to seek it and then how do you give it to yourself and I think that's where sometimes it can be dangerous is that when you're just like, I only need it from other people. Well, you need it from yourself, too. So I think it, it's sort of a both and. It, there's no shame in the fact that all of us humans seek it, but it's, you know, discerning when it might not be healthy to seek it from someone who may never give it to you. Yeah. Or things that are not 
So I think it's a both and. The only other character that we discussed talking about before actually also fits very much into that category of, of a person who, you know, of course, all of you, like you said, all of us kind of need that. But Hagrid is introduced to us, obviously, in a different way than all of the kids. I said this on, I think, the last episode, <laughs> that Hagrid represents warmth to me. Oh, yeah. And, you know, like, what he is for these kids oh, yeah. is incredible. But also, his own past is horribly tragic, horribly yeah. sad. And the way he gives and gives and loves despite any of that, none of the other adults, the only other one who we could say maybe is Lily and she dies in the first, you know, before the book. <laughs> so as much as we love Molly, as much as we love Lupin, as much as we love these other characters, Hagrid is the only one that you can always count on to be what the kids need when they need him. Mm-hmm. You know, like sometimes McGonagall can't be there for them or you know that all the adults are keeping shit away from them fucking Dumbledore the Not only time where he doesn't is when he physically can't because of the pink menace yeah you know he so. is normalcy Hagrid is all these lovely things in spite of the fact that like he was kicked out of school he lost his like, parental figures just like Harry he's an orphan like Harry mm-hmm. you know and he is ridiculed and treated like shit because of his being half giant. Yeah. But he loves harder than like yeah. almost yeah. everyone. I think he's like a great character in terms of he would not necessarily have the language to articulate that it's important to show up for young people and for children, but he shows up. Yeah. And I think he knows that's important, even if he wouldn't be able to say, I'm showing up for these kids. Well, he does it. I mean, he absolutely yeah. knows that because he's experienced that. Because I think that one of the greatest things Dumbledore has done ever was what he did for Hagrid. I agree. You know, as much as I want to strangle Dumbledore a lot of the time, like, <laughs> Me look, too. At, look at what he has done for Hagrid. And because that's what Hagrid needed. But Hagrid was a second or third year or something. When, when he, was, he got kicked out? Yeah, yeah. he was in his third year. Yeah. Imagine not having anywhere to go and there's Dumbledore being like, I got you. Yeah. yeah. And Hagrid committing to that in 60 or whatever years later, how he treats those three kids and other kids. Like, you find out, like, Ginny visits him, and mm-hmm. you have to imagine other students do too, you know? Totally. Yeah. I think he also takes the, the kids seriously. I talk a lot about in, like, in my work, you know, adultism, which is this idea that adults know what's best, which is not true. Mm-hmm. And so I think Hagrid is very unadultist. When they have concerns, when they have sort of a plotting things, right? He, he does take them seriously and doesn't belittle them and he doesn't say that their thoughts are below him because he's the adult, you know? I also think he's such a caretaker and you see that sort of in a certain way unbridled caretaking where he may lack some boundaries with all his animals and things like that. You can see a little bit of this person maybe trying to seek some validation through caregiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, caregiving is so interesting because care of natural creatures and groundskeeper and just like... Care kids. Yeah, just in general, it's like built into literally the character that is written on the page by Blood Pudding. I think the comparison to Harry is also very interesting because they do seem the most similar in that they go through all this trauma when they're children. Hagrid also has those moments 
a lot of <laughs> the last book was awful for him. I know. And he is so childlike, too. We always talk yes. about he has those childlike tendencies. Yeah. But neither Harry... I mean, there are moments where I think Harry's spirit gets broken. Mm-hmm. But in the long term, I think the two of them... And perhaps there are moments where Hagrid's does, too. I mean, they're humans or half-human, in Hagrid's case. Yeah. But in the long term, their spirits don't get broken. And I think that's really, really lovely. Yeah. Bringing him up in this episode is interesting because I think there are some times too where I have been hard on Hagrid in the pages for being so childlike mm-hmm. but really celebrating him for being such a loving character despite everything I think is so so nice yeah and trauma can often you know when we think about how people develop we think of not only numerically how old you are but maybe how emotionally old you are and sometimes those things can match and sometimes they can't in Hagrid's case, I would also, if I was his therapist, wonder if there's some level of cognitive delay, maybe even being on the autism spectrum, you know, something like that. Again, not to, you know, get clinical, but yeah. <laughs> right. just thinking sort of if you were to have Hagrid in your practice, what might you think about given his presentation as a character? But I think highlighting his strengths that he loves so deeply and he cares for things and you know is very dependable and is really good in a crisis he really is listen we're not going to give blood putting any kind of like <laughs> points in the representation area no but for she people gets no point. who need to see our characters in a certain way i think it's really important to recognize that what's on the page is what's on the page but what what has come to us through our feelings is ten times more valid mm-hmm. and so if hagrid can represent a certain person and their feelings and how they feel about themselves or how they feel about the world for themselves I think that that's really important to also put in a place where Hagrid is literally a representation of love almost as much as Lily is you guys know I think of this series as so much focus on the friendship dynamic but Lily representing love and I think that if you were to take the top characters in the series that represented love it would be Lily and Harry and Hagrid. And where Harry is between the two of them, and where Hagrid is kind of from nowhere and how that kind of love comes in, like, Hagrid has no responsibility to Harry. He just loves him. Yeah. I really, really appreciate that part of Hagrid. And maybe that comes from more of a place from his background that we just don't get to see. Right. You guys ready to play a game? Yes. yes. All right. So what's interesting is we didn't really uh, we did a little bit with Harry, but we didn't really diagnose anyone. No. So we're gonna do a forced diagnosis now. <laughs> this is kind of a game that Tara has played with folks in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go through a list of what I found to be some of the ten most common mental disorders. For example, it was like, who would you rather have a hug from? And give us like a list of characters. I don't know what that game is called. I'm going to call this one Mental Matchup. (laughs) Okay. I'm not going to give you set characters. You can choose any character in the series, even the ones that we've already talked about. But once you name them, you cannot choose them again. All right. So let's go through this list with the first one being depression. And I know what my answer is off the bat. Lupin. That is a good answer. Uh, my answer is more like comedic, which is not great I was for depression. Say, but like, I think it'll make sense. I like comedy. It's fine. 
You could have fooled me, Tara. <laughs> Ooh, you guys got deep. Uh, mine's Moaning Myrtle. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah totally. okay, Moaning Myrtle's trajectory is still kind of sad. Yes, no. yes. But in my mind, you know the Pixar movie Inside Out? Oh, God. Uh, first of all, they are creating a Stop. second one, and I'm so excited. I saw that. Stop. So yeah. my cousin um, and my cousin-in-law, Tim... <laughs> my cousin also has a name. Her name is Grace. But they have Disney Plus, and they allow me on there. And so I was like one day, like, you know what? I need to catch up and watch all these films. So I watched that and Coco back to back. Jesus. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But I'm like, <laughs> not only did I sob destroyed. at both of them, but they're both my favorites. Oh my God, they're so good. In my mind, I'm like, okay, who's steering like the little sadness in like the brain of the series? Motorola. So that's why I said her. The next one I have is Anxiety, one that I'm very familiar with. One of the two on here that I'm most familiar with. Someone else want to go first? I would say I yes. would say Neville. What about you? Neville's a good answer. You know, someone that popped into my mind, and I don't really know why. I'm gonna go with it though. Is Tonks? Totally. I can yes. see it. I there totally seems to be it. a mm-hmm. sort of anxiousness there, so I'm gonna go with Tonks. Yeah. So I'm going with Hannah Abbott because she literally loses her shit during Owls. <laughs> and you're like, I've been there. And I've been there. <laughs> no, but really, though, like, I remember they talk about at the beginning of the fifth book when the twins are talking to the others about taking their owls and just how people are falling apart and stuff. And it says in the book that she was the first person to just, like, completely fall apart from the stress of it. And I'm like... Yeah. yeah, that is so real. So this accurate. Is why <laughs> testing is focused. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah. Grad school is like that. I cried for every day the last semester. <laughs> this is why I know out. I could never finish school because I couldn't make it through high school without crying every day. So. Oh my God. It's like what we talked about. At, we had brunch before these episodes. And I was talking about how did I ever do this in the past yeah, I know. and like cram yeah. my schedule and stuff. It's very similar to that. If I were kidding. Now? Nope. Oh my god. Their it's schedules like even worse. are like their schedules Amazing. are also crazier than Yeah. Ours. Oh totally. Totally. It just it's I was wild. like Hermione with the owls. I got one B in grad school and all A's and one B and I sobbed. I felt like I had failed. I had a struggle. I luckily I still have not feel had ashamed like of the B. Now I'm like, that don't matter. My grades <laughs> no, fuck that. The next one that I have is ADHD. Fred and George. Okay, see, Co- I thought of Ron. So <laughs> we got some Weasley stuff. Okay, yeah. That can be- Actually, Hagrid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah Very much that, that yeah. too. It's interesting, maybe except for the first one, because you guys picked two good ones and I was like, Moody Moodle. But there's somewhat of like a connection between the people that we have chosen, because I can kind of see similarities between all of them. <laughs> okay, the next one is interesting. Insomnia. But it was on the list when I looked it up. This list comes from the internet. Oh, okay. I did oh. not create this list. Reliable. Yes. Oh, so reliable. Yeah. Can I tell you the first one that comes to my yes. mind for this? I'm going to go ahead and say Harry Potter for this one, because he's always around the... I was going to say that, too, but yeah, then I was like, knew I couldn't say him for anything else. Maybe Arthur Weasley. Oh, oh that's probably. a good answer, because he's always working way too late. He, is. he never <laughs> sleeps. So, like, I already used my obvious answer for this one because the obvious answer was Lupin, but it can't use him again. Oh, that's Um, such a good one, too. too. I didn't think of that. But I'm actually going to piggyback off of Arthur and say Molly. Poor Molly. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, Yeah. they never never sleep. 
Yeah. Oh, you know, another funny one I would have thought of is Filch, because he's always paroling the halls right? at night. That, that fucker don't Filch. sleep. Or Snape. You can even say Snape. Oh, you can even yeah. say Snape. And no, no one, one sleeps. sleeps. No, no adult goes to bed. You know, who, you know who's sleeping? <laughs> Madam Pooch. There you go. She ain't got no insomnia. She gets all the sleep. No. I feel like she and her, like, lesbian partner Hogwarts. just spend a lot of time sleeping. <laughs> the next one, number five, is, this is will be an interesting one, addiction slash substance abuse. This one might be challenging too. My answer is Barty Crouch Jr. slash Mad Eye Moody. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. he's addicted to that poly juice book. This is maybe a cop out, but I'm going to go with Ludo Bagman and his addiction to gambling and also like how much that impacted everything. Was way yes. Than That's a great answer, honestly. Because this one is maybe the top of some Here's the other thing. I feel like Mad-Eye Moody has probably tried some shit, too. He probably has tried some so, like, shit. Tried some, like, stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My next one is bipolar disorder. I'm going to let somebody else go first. Again, it's very similar to Tonks and anxiety. This person kind of just popped into my mind for some reason, and I don't know if I can necessarily vibe with them, but somebody else go first. I would say the first person that I thought of was Petunia Dursley. Okay. Because just of her, like explosive nature where she's sometimes really angry and just explodes at people but also like she can be a little manic in terms of cleaning and like being very fastidious yes. and very particular. Now this is the wrong type of buy that you want her to be though. Yeah, wrong type. <laughs> but we all know Fiona Shaw. I, I couldn't not. I couldn't not make that joke. You know, I will never not get on this podcast and Draco. Fiona Shaw. Draco. Oh, yeah. Draco's a really good answer Draco. actually for this. I don't need to explain Draco. No, I feel like but that's pretty, that yeah. is very cut and dry, actually. That's yeah. a great answer. The person who came straight to my mind is actually Vernon, and then I thought of Petunia, too. Now, Vernon, I think, is more on one pole than the other, honestly. But when Harry's not around, I'm sure he isn't always turning into the Kool-Aid man, so. Right. <laughs> Just so listeners know, it's not that you change your mood every day or anything. No. It's that it's cycles of mood cycling mm, thank so you for that you too. might is, have yeah. months where you're depressed and months. then suddenly have months where you're feeling up and yeah. doing things when you're in that or you could have bipolar without mania a couple of different subsets yeah. of bipolar so just so people think oh one day i felt really happy and the next day i was sad that's, that's not bipolar yeah. like so everyone just, has emotions right we all yeah. yes but we all feel them thank so. you for that because i do <laughs> think that i may have well, it's hard. It is very easy to just like assume a certain thing though about yeah, but because it's a very difficult thing to like portray in media and portray out there. But I still think that that answer is valid. I think that Vernon could absolutely have bipolar disorder. Someone like Petunia would have a sort of more Petunia. classic of yeah. what we think of, and I may think of bipolar, but yeah, there's different types. Yeah. So. I would say that Petunia and if we were saying the three of them were all diagnosed with bipolar, mm. I would say that Petunia and Draco are much more on the same yeah. side yeah. of it. I would say Petunia could have some of the mania. She I could. would say Draco probably did, does not have mania in his mm. bipolar mm. presentation. 
interesting. Harry is also a very legitimate. Oh yeah, I could kind of see that. Oh totally. I actually, yeah. The next one is one that I might also need a little bit of. Context. Yes, and that is schizophrenia. Oh, schizophrenia. Sch- yeah, thank you. So, schizophrenia. Schizophrenia. <laughs> it's very fraught. <laughs> but oftentimes we think of sort of classic schizophrenia. It's when a person can disassociate. They're not totally in the world. <laughs> not in reality. They can have perceptual differences. They can also like hear things and like have auditory or visual hallucinations, erratic behavior. That is kind of what all of those I types was thinking, of things. I absolutely know who my person is for that. I one, think then. I would know who mine might be too. Mine is Trelawney for this one. Now I will also say yeah. In my meditations lately, I have been really focused on, like, third eye stuff. With some of, like, the expansion of your third eye and trusting your intuition, obviously there's a difference there, but I, I mean, she would have been an interesting one to look at in this episode even, I think. <laughs> I mean, I love Trelawney, but there have been a lot of critiques that I've had on her, too, obviously, so. What did you say first? I was gonna say maybe Bellatrix the Strange. Mmm. that's fair. In terms of erratic behavior and maybe not totally living in reality. Maybe having hallucinations. Yeah. Yeah. So mine is, I think, much on a much like less severe scale, but Dobby. Oh. Wow. The the three that we chose are so different, but yes. also I want them to be a band. I do not oh, because Bellatrix murders Dobby. So Well, okay, there's that. If there was no murder, that combination of people like, I can just imagine they're in a screamo band, and... The, it's absolutely a screamo band. It's absolutely. And Trelawney <laughs> and Bellatrix are the, like, guitarist and the bassist. Dobby's just on that mic, just wrecking his vocal cords. And those two are, like, headbanging with their, like, luscious hairs. It, I mean, I don't know. It makes they sense do, in they the They become the luscious hairs. But let's move into PTSD. We all know who mine is. Mine is Harry Potter. Yes. Same. So I have to choose someone. Hmm. Well, I'm going to go ahead and choose Ginny. Yeah. Because I think she is another one who totally. really has that. Oh, yeah. That one is maybe the easiest one. Yeah. These next two are going to be interesting. Because, okay. again, they were on the list. The first one is Dementia. Oh. I would say maybe then Professor Trelawney. Uh, yeah. Here, just because in terms of, of her not remembering things or, you know, sometimes people with dementia can live in the past or they're not totally, again, in reality, sort of altered mind states, things mm-hmm. like that. There's a lot of dementia symptoms with GBM. Oh, yeah. And, I like, living in the past, 1,000%. Well, yeah, saying. and I think it depends on what, you know, I think there's definitely a lot of different types of dementia. Deme- who do you think for dementia? So, Jonathan, Ginny's Aunt Muriel. Oh, yeah. That is a deep cut. It's probably such a, good a more, answer. like, classic yeah. case of dementia. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, like, elderly now I have a caveat for my person, but it's somebody that I originally had brought up, and that is Lockshart. And there's some ca- oh. just a caveat, of course, with that yes, because he, he comes that way. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting because you know I may leave this part in. The patrons know this right now because uh, this is a good episode to bring it up and be vulnerable about it. 
my dad in May was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a very severe brain cancer. He's been treated and everything is kind of stable and stuff, but he's always had kind of narcissistic tendencies. But then there's also these dementia things, and yeah. like it's really weird to like relate my dad to Lockshart, but I'm gonna go ahead and say that that track. And you know, I'm talking very open about it and stuff, and I processed a lot of things by this point. So at this point, I feel comfortable mentioning it. But something that you may hear me talk about a little bit more on the podcast because yeah. there's strange real life parallels that I've seen too with yeah. it. So. We don't need to get into the details, yeah, right. like, but 100% it has had effects. Yeah. Like, man, I'm telling you, like, it's just wild. Yeah. Anyways, the final one is autism, which is not something that I would have thought about on this list, but again, it was on this list on the yeah. internet. I already sort of said it. I would say Hagrid. Okay. In our conversation, it did come up. And this is another one that I'm not, like, entirely certain, like... This can be pretty individualized, and it looks different in men versus women. You're not ready for my answer. Is your answer Neville? No. Okay. One of the people I thought of was Neville. Oh. But I also thought of Luna. I thought of, yeah. Yeah, Luna yeah. and Neville are easy. There's nothing wrong with that, but, like, those were answers. But I'm actually going to go with Percy. Whoa! Okay. I feel like that's such a good answer. I think that could explain some things about him. Mm-hmm. I'm learning a little bit such a cool person to talk about as like one of our main people but he is interesting because he's not like Snape and Dumbledore in like how much they impact the series necessarily but he could almost deserve his own episode we talk about him so much yeah I am still down to do a real deep dive into Percy Weasley I find him fascinating yeah and if I can just you know become friends with Chris Rankin on Instagram or something maybe we can get him on the show there's that 
too. He might be one of like the top people that we could potentially get on the show. Yeah, Who I have knows? no idea what how that works, like how that yeah. You know the idiom that I was going to mention was don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yes, also that one. That, that's the name of Judge so, Judy's biography. So you said Neville and Luna. Uh, I think, and Hagrid, I think maybe my answer is more of a Luna because there's some very high <laughs> intelligence there for sure. She doesn't maybe understand like some nuances in language and stuff the way that Percy could potentially too. Yeah. But again, some of this is also coming a little bit from just the very limited amount of that I know about autism, too. Another character that I also have considered along those lines is Hermione. Mm. Um, I really yeah. think that there's yeah. kind of in the same regards, but also a strict attachment to a certain protocol and like set of rules and stuff. Those are also considered characteristics of a person on the spectrum. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't didn't really think of that either. Yeah. That's all I have for the game. And that's really all we have for the episode. We actually have talked for quite a long time. This is an hour and a half in. We of course we never know how long it's gonna be. But I feel like this has been a very meaningful episode. And thank you so much, Roxana, for helping yeah, us lead you. through a lot of this. You never got to talk about your um what's that form that we talked about in the Ashley episode? I don't know, the one with the chemicals and shit on it, like asbestos and blah, blah, blah. Oh, what what was that form that we talked about in the episode? Yeah, I forget what it was called. Yeah, I thought you had form version of that. We never ended up talking about that, but that's okay. That's fun. <laughs> I mean, please know if we were playing Fuck, Mary Kill, I would marry Keanu Reeves. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, take us out. And I would obviously fuck Fiona Shaw and... I don't know who I'm killing. Whoever else is involved, she's just killing. Do you know any other, like, really, really strong crushes that she has? And me. I guess I'm dying. Yeah, fans. Can it be me that I don't pay bills anymore? Oh, yeah, she actually is. I would be really sad. I mean, I don't really want to pay bills either. I know, right? Whoever gets to die gets to not pay bills. Well, let's make the third one capitalism. How how about that? Yes, let's do Let's kill capitalism. Yeah, I also choose to kill capitalism. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Fuck it. I think I'm going to fuck Keanu Reeves and marry Keanu Shaw. Oh. I don't know. I'll, as long as capitalism Keanu. dies, I'm fine. Right. I'll do whatever with the other two. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're going to have so many parties with oh, the five of us. Oh, yes. <laughs> Is it the five of us? I mean, if you want to be there, since you're like, I don't care about them. Well, I'll be there, sure. Hell yeah, then the five of us. <laughs> On that note, okay. next time we're, we're going to be reading chapter seven, which is called the slug club, the slug club. Ooh, ooh. ooh yes it's about to get sluggy up in here that and of course another thank you to roxana for joining us for these Aww. two episodes thank you thank so much you. fun times yeah if you ever need mental health resources i i do have some <laughs> awesome seriously if you're interested email us and we'll connect you to roxana somehow i guess yeah therapy but I certainly know a lot of therapists in the Cleveland area and here's the thing like as a community too what we have is what we have yeah what we have is what we have all right bye bye everyone hey we just talked about mental illness and we were very vulnerable and stuff bye (laughs) that's how we still end (laughs) it that's that's never ending
Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages. Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!